All right. John, I appreciate you noting that I did not want to go up on the stage. Uh, it's not that I worry about going up on the stage. I have neuropathy, and I'm not worried about going up on the stage. I'm worried about coming down. Because <laughs> as I told Joe here earlier, when you fall forward onto the stage, that's not a big deal. But when you fall forward coming off the stage, you know, that's not a good thing. And uh, so I'm trying to avoid that. And so uh, I appreciate, I told this uh, brother right here, I said, I said, you know where I'm preaching from? He said, no. I said, right here. He looked over this young lady here and he said, best move. <laughs> so I promise, that, you know, that I will not uh, challenge him. You know, one of the, the scariest things that you can encounter sometimes when you're in a worship service or something is when the preacher comes down off the stage and starts wandering around, you know, because then you're afraid he's going to come up to you and maybe ask you a question, you know, and you think, get back on that stage, you know. And so I promised him that I would not challenge him with anything. What a joy it is to be here tonight. What a joy it is to worship with the James Road congregation every year uh, on this time. John, I've got uh, some information for you I wanted to pass along. I am working on a new sermon uh, that I'm going to bring next year. It's called Titanic 2. So we're going we're gonna, to uh, find some further lessons on the Titanic, and uh, we pray that, uh, you know, that'll be good for everybody. All right. Uh, thank you all so much, the brethren that were here this uh, afternoon earlier to help unload the food. Uh, that is a work that we look forward to every year when we collect the food. And, you know, since we first started, we didn't have it much on the benevolent side in the Cordova area when we started this work many, many years ago. Since then... The, the neighborhood has kind of changed a little bit, and we do have, you know, some benevolent needs now. So yesterday in the morning, uh, we went out into our community, and we uh, assisted some 40-plus uh, families. We took food to those people that are in need in, in the Cordova community, and it was a, it was a rather touching and uh, experience for those of us that went out because uh, we got to see firsthand just how uh, circumstances are different somewhat dire for those people. And so we pray that you'll have the uh, success in handing out the food into this community. And uh, we thank those that were here this afternoon to do that. Tonight, uh, that was read for us by Garrett just a few minutes ago was uh, John chapter 14, verse 6, where Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. But I want to go back just a little bit. If you'll open your Bibles up to John chapter 13, and we'll look at this, and we'll have a little history of actually what has taken place here. Because Jesus, it's the night before he's going to be crucified the next day. And, you know, these guys that have been with him have been with him a long time now, some three years. You think back over three years and where you were three years ago. These guys had experienced a whole lot. And now all of a sudden Jesus comes to them, and he's going to present to them something that they're not prepared for. I'm leaving. I, I am going to be leaving here shortly. And they have to make, they're going to have to make preparations for this. So starting in John chapter 13, verse 31, it says here, Therefore, when he was gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him in himself, and shall straightway glorify him. Little children, here it is right here. 
yet a little while I am with you. You shall seek me, and I said unto the Jews, whether I go, you cannot come, so now I say unto you. Can you imagine that somebody has, that Jesus has brought these guys into this, into this ministry, and now at the point where there are dangers all around them, he's now telling them that I am leaving. A new commandment I give unto you, verse 34, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Simon Peter said unto him, Lord, whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whether I goest, thou canst now follow me now. Thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee? I will lay down my life for thy sake. Remember that as the next day approaches when he denies him three times. But he said, I'm, wherever you're going, I'm ready. I will lay down my life for thy sake. Jesus answered him, Will thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And then as we get into chapter 14, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And whether, whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we see the confusion that exists here among these people, the, the apostles here and the disciples here. They're, 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 confusion here you know is he lays it out that I am leaving here and both you know Peter says I'll go with you no matter where you're going and Thomas says how can we know the way as we follow the teachings of Jesus these are some things that we know the Lord many of his teachings makes a vivid distinction between the saved and the lost we know that in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46, the great judgment scene, we see the sheep and the goats, and there's a great distinction between the two as far as what's going to await those two in the final, in the end. He also talked about those who were prepared to meet the bridegroom and those that were not ready in Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 through 13, and he discussed the good versus the evil in John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. Here in John 14, verse 6, we see that uh, Jesus makes the ultimate distinction. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You're not going to get there with Mohammed. You're not going to get there with any of the other. Uh, you're not going to get there with all the money in the world. You're not going to get there with the wealth and the riches, fame, glory on this earth. No man is going to get there. God, Jesus makes this great distinction. Let's look at a couple of other little side notes before we get started here. We note that the Lord is very specific in affirming who he is. He does not state he is one of many ways. He is the way. He does not state he is one of, uh, uh, hold on just one second, excuse me. He does not state he is one of many ways. He is he is. One of many sources of truth, he doesn't say that either, I'm not one of many sources, or that he is one of many paths 
to life. He says, I am the way. I am the way. The is an article of distinction. It indicates one, singular, the. If we indicate something as a the, that means there's just one of. I am the way, the truth, and the life. There's some questions I want to pose before we get into the four points I want to get to. A few questions. Was our Lord being narrow-minded or mean-spirited or biased in any way when he said this? We would have people today say, we're not going to accept that. That's not acceptable in, the, in society as we live today. Was he politically correct? Did he have a bad attitude? Was he trying to run people off? Is his teaching to be rejected because it results in the majority of the world being lost? As we read the text, we either accept or reject the Lord's teachings as it relates to many different groups, some of which are those who do not follow the commands of Jesus, the Jews, all the Far Eastern religions, these are all rejected based on this teaching. We must either accept the truth as it is written, or else we're going to be lost. Here's a, one final little note here before we get into the main part of what I want to get into. Here's some things that we know. The man is separated from God by sin. We read that in Isaiah 59, verses 1 and 2. All mankind has an invitation from Jesus himself in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. And he says, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And those that do come have the hope of life eternal. Now, here's the four points that I want to make concerning uh, the teachings in John chapter 14, verses 1 through 6. First, I want to talk about who the I is. And this is the part that uh, I appreciate the people from Cordova being here because they heard this a couple of Wednesday nights ago, and they heard point one, and it lasted 45 minutes, okay? So, uh, are y'all ready? Who is I in John chapter 14 and verse 6? Certainly we know this is Jesus. This is the Jesus of Matthew chapter 28 and verse 18. Would you listen to this? And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. This is the I that, was, uh, that is indicated in John chapter 14 and verse 6. All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. I talked about a couple of weeks ago uh, during the Bible class about the word power. The President of the United States is considered the most powerful man in the whole world. You know, no matter who it is, whether it's Democrat or Republican, they're considered the most powerful man in all the world. But yet he has no power to heal. He's never, not one of our presidents has ever raised anybody from the dead. And he doesn't have the power to create even the, the smallest of things. But Jesus had the power. He said, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Who is the I from John chapter 14, verse 6? It's the Jesus of John chapter 1, verse 1. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. That's who the I is in John chapter 14, verse 6. The I is the Jesus of Luke chapter 19 and verse 10. It says, for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. 
the eyes of Jesus of Matthew chapter 17, and verse 5. And brethren, I want you to listen to this. Please listen to this verse. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Are you listening? Are you listening tonight? Are you listening to what he says? Are you listening to what he says about your salvation? Luke chapter 9, verse 35, this is said, This is my beloved son, hear him. Seven times in the book of Revelation, it says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. The word here is delivered some 50 times in the New Testament, some 200 times in the whole Bible. There must be some importance to it. But yet, the vast majority of the world and many within the church are not listening. Are not listening with their very souls hanging in the balance. The I here is the same one that this was said here in John chapter 20 and verse 30. It says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. And finally, in the concluding book in John chapter 21, verse 25, it says this. There are also many other things which Jesus did, which if they should be written, every one I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that should be written. Amen. This is the Jesus that is delivering this message. The one that has all power. That whose mission in life was to seek and to save the lost. Who came with the uh, testimonial of God himself saying, Hear him. The God that created the whole universe and all the heavens said, listen to him. We see here that Jesus has all the spiritual qualifications to make the next three statements that he makes. He's got all the qualifications. We would look at a person when they came in for, to apply for a job, maybe, and we say, this person has the qualifications based on this that he has presented to us. Jesus has presented evidence, or evidence is presented in the Bible that says when he makes these next three statements, we better be listening, brethren. Our souls are at stake here. This is not uh, something that we should take lightly. Let's talk about the way, first off, is our next point here. I think I've made this point here before. We lose many things during the course of our lives. Billfolds, rings, as we get older, even our cars. Maybe the most traumatic thing for most people today is losing their cell phones. But all these are physical possessions that pale in comparison to the most important thing that we could lose and that is our souls. What does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? The world in general is lost. We know that uh, Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans uh, 6.23 says those wages for that sin is what? Death, and it is spiritual death. It's not a physical death. You're not going to die tomorrow just because you sin. We see people that are sinners all through the world that live day to day and just keep right on going. 
This is talking about a spiritual death. The wages of sin is a spiritual death. That's going to be the payment in the end. When it talks about the way, there's no better verse that we could look at that tells us about the way than Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14. It says here, Matthew chapter 7, 13 and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. It is going to take us an effort if we're going to be on the way that Jesus indicates. We're not just going to show up one day and say, It's unbelievable, I'm on the, I'm on the narrow way that's headed toward heaven. I don't know how I got here. I don't know what I did to get here. I just happened to be here. It's a, uh, it's not, no. It is going to be, it's going to be an effort. You, you review in your mind, even as we speak, you don't have to answer it to me or to these other brethren necessarily, but you do have to answer it to yourself. Are you, are you putting in the effort to make sure that you're finding the narrow way? You know, the narrow way uh, and the broad way both have exit ramps. You know, uh, here, here's what we know about the narrow way. I'm going to give you three examples of people that were on the narrow way at one time, maybe just like many of us. Many of us. These people were on the, uh, the narrow way. Demas in Acts, uh, and Second uh, uh, Timothy 4.10, he says, Demas hath forsaken me, Paul said, having loved this present world. He was on the narrow way, and he took the exit ramp right off into the broad way. You know, he, fors- he, he said has forsaken me, why? Having loved this present world. Oh, it's easy to look around and fall in love with the world. It's easy to uh, fall in love with the gadgets and things of today. And we look around and say, you know what? In a few years, we may have to give our soul up because of those very things. Judas in Luke chapter 22, verses 3 and 4, when sin came into his life, he took the exit ramp. He had spent years with Jesus. But due to that temptation... That financial temptation. And finally, Peter in Matthew chapter 26, 69 through 75, the one that said in Luke, uh, uh, John chapter 13, said, I'll, I'm with you. When you. Where you're going, I'm going. He denied Jesus three times and later cried and wept bitterly. We see here that there's only two destinations. We can look around this room. We don't need to because you know who all's here. Everybody in this room is on one of the two uh, routes that we just described, the broad way or the narrow way. Everybody in this room, everybody in, the, in, the, in the, this community is on one of these two. Everybody in Memphis is on one of these two. Everybody in the world is on one of these two. Where are you at tonight? Where are you at tonight? Where are you at tonight? Not where were you at a year ago or two years ago or five years ago. Where are you at tonight? How about some travel brochures? John, I got some travel brochures for you for those that are on the narrow way and those that are on the broad way. You know, uh, it used to be in the old days when you were going to take a trip, you'd get like a travel brochure and it would tell you what your destinations were going to look like. Here's what it's going to be like here. and Here's what it's going to be like here. Well, I'm going to tell you, I've got them right here, laid out right in the Bible. It tells us what to expect when you get to either location. Are you ready for them? Can you handle them? Okay, I hope you can, because here they come. Revelation 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. 
him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life which is in the midst of the paradise of God. Paradise. Sure sounds good. And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, and neither sorrow, and their crying, neither shall there be any uh, more pain, for the former things are passed away. Matthew 25, 41, essentially saying to them on the left hand, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. You see the contrast between the two? Paradise. I mean, I, I don't know how, uh, and, and y'all have certainly experienced the, uh, uh, a, a blow here but when we read this and it says God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying and then we come right back and then shall he say unto them depart from me you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels verse 20, uh, 46 of Matthew 25 these shall go away into everlasting punishment but the righteous into life eternal and one more 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 2 and verse 9, but as it, is as it is written, I hath not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Basically, this is telling us we can't even process what it's going to be like to get there. Our finite minds only go so far. Revelation 21, 8, though, tells us the contrast of this fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone which is the second death. And Jesus said I am the way. You need to make sure that you are on the way not a way. And you need to make sure that you are committed to staying on the way rather than it is easy to get distracted in the world we live in. Two more quick verses here, and then we'll leave the uh, consider, consideration of the way. There's a way which seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. People say, you know what? I, I, I feel like I'm okay. I think I'm okay. That's the, that's the intellectual side, which says, I think I'm all right. Okay? The, the emotional side, I feel, like every, I feel like I'm okay. I don't need anything else. There's a way that seemeth right unto man, but the ways there, uh, the, the way there, hold on. There's a way which seemeth right, but the end thereof are the ways of death, spiritual death, separation from God forevermore. Finally, in Proverbs 13, verse 5, it says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of the transgressor is hard. I have to take just a second to mention this. I mentioned this the other night that uh, uh, Al Capone was one of the richest people in the in the world back when he lived in Chicago and he was the uh, the head of the mafia in that particular town and but they said that he had so many bodyguards around him and he was so nervous about how to live his life he was afraid to go out he had food testers and then he had testers to test the food that the testers tested The way of the transgressors is hard. I have one more verse here. We like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. 
All right, let's talk just a second or two about the word truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. All people want to be told the truth. We want our repairman to tell us the truth. When we're buying something for somebody, tell us the truth. When it comes to our souls, we want to know the truth. On the day of Pentecost, after the first gospel sermon, those pricked in their hearts said, What shall we do? Does it sound like that they wanted to know just any particular thing? No. Look, we have been convicted or being told that we are part of the... uh, we were part of the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. What shall we do? They wanted to know exactly what to do in order to gain repentance or forgiveness of the sins that they had committed. In Acts 9, do you think Saul wanted to know the truth when he asked, Who art thou, Lord? He didn't know who it was. He thought Jesus was the biggest fake in the world, so he didn't think in Acts chapter 9 at the beginning that this was Jesus that was coming down on him. He said, who art thou, Lord? And then when Jesus later revealed himself, he said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? Tell me the truth. What about the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16? said, sirs, what must I do to be saved? Think he was interested in the truth? John 1.17, it says, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came how? By Jesus Christ. If you're listening to what the world is saying or what preachers are saying when they preach out of the different books, not the Bible, but their different books related to their denominations, the truth is coming by Jesus Christ. Jesus later said, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Set us apart. The truth is going to separate us from the world. Are you following the truth? Do you know the truth? Are you studying the truth? Anytime we have rejection of Jesus Christ and his truth, error is going to be the ultimate result of that. You know, we read in uh, Matthew chapter 22, verse 29, Jesus said unto them, Ye do err, not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God. When we don't know the Bible and we don't study the Bible and we don't try to keep up with what the teachings of Jesus are, we are subject to error and we are subject to error being taught. There's going to come a day, John, this may be a surprise to you, there's going to come a day when this pew sitting right up here will be empty and there will be another person standing up here. And are you prepared and are you studying to make sure that you know the truth Because Jesus said the truth is going to separate us. All right. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. In 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 17, And their word will eat as doth the canker of whom uh, Hymenaeus and uh, Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred. These are are brethren of 2,000 years ago. These are people that were at one time faithful, okay, who concerning the truth, they have erred, saying that the resurrection has passed already. The resurrection has already come, they were saying. Listen to these verses here, and we'll quickly move to the last point here. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Psalm 33, verse 4. 
Psalm 119, verse 30 says, I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. Psalm 119, verse 142 says, Thy righteousness is an everlasting righteousness, and thy law is the truth. And finally, in Psalm 119, 151, Thou art near, O Lord, and all thy commandments are truth. Brethren, are you listening? It says here, all the commandments are truth. Matthew 15, verse 9 says, In vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines. What? The commandments of men. Not the truth that Jesus presented, but the commandments of men. I watch it uh, on TV all the time. I watch on the same channel I watch John Shannon on. I see error being preached every day. And people are just eating it up. This is a sentence here. If the works of the Lord are done in truth, Psalm 34, uh, 33, verse 4, if the way of the Lord is truth, Psalm 119 and verse 30, if the law is truth, Psalm 119, verse 42, and all his commandments are truth, Psalm 119, 51, are you seeking and following the truth? Brethren, this is a serious issue and it deals with our souls. Finally, the life. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John said in John uh, chapter 1, verse 4, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Christ himself stated in John chapter 10, verse 10, The thief cometh not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. Now that does not mean in this physical life we're going to have everything we want just because we follow Jesus. John chapter 11, verse 25, Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? Ephesians chapter 2 verse 1 says, Ye hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Quickened means made alive. These people were, uh, in Ephesus were dead. He made, they were made alive by their conversion to Jesus Christ. And when we were, uh, verse, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 said, When we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace are you saved. And finally, in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 11, it says this. And this is the record that God hath given to us eternal life. And this life is where? In his Son. In his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Are you striving to be alive spiritually now and to one day enjoy eternity in heaven? I'm going to mention three groups that are here tonight. Most likely you fall into one of these three groups here and then the lesson will be yours. First group are those that are on the narrow path. 
They've been obedient to the commands defined as truth in Psalm 119, 151. These are the ones that understand what Jesus meant when he said in Matthew 20, 10, 22, Ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that what? Endureth to the end shall be saved. Not he that joined, uh, that puts on Christ in baptism and then just goes along his merry way and just goes back right into the world again. You endure to the end. This is talking about if you become a Christian now, it may be you may have lived 50 more years and you endure all that time. But we also have another verse that a lot of times is used, sometimes I think out of context with this, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10, and it talks about people that are being persecuted. And it says, Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison that ye may be tried, and you shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death, and I will give thee a crown of life. This is a picture of somebody that has death hovering over them. They come in and say, Tomorrow, if you don't reject Christ, I will cut your head off. Okay? And as that death is hovering over them, you be faithful in the face of death. So Jesus tells us both through John here and in uh, himself in Matthew chapter 10, 22, that faith all the way to the end is very important. That you can't get along just scooting along. It's going to take a serious commitment. The second group are those who were once on the narrow path but have gotten off for whatever reason. They're no longer there. For whatever reason, you've gotten sidetracked. If we must endure to the end, and you're not doing that, please listen to me, brethren. You're in a lost state right now. I don't know any other way to put it. I didn't say that. This is what the Bible says, okay? 1 John 1, verse 5 through 9 says this, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie. And you know what? You might kid the whole world. You're not kidding yourself. You're not kidding yourself. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Therefore, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you've been on the narrow way and you have gotten off, and you know you have gotten off, the way to get back on, there's an entrance ramp just like there is an exit ramp, and you can come right back on to it. You confess your sins and have the brethren here pray for you and with you, just as we see in Acts chapter uh, 8, the Simon the sorcerer. Finally, we come to the third group, those who have never responded to the gospel invitation. They've heard it, heard it, and heard it, but for whatever reason, they've chosen not to respond to the gospel invitation. These are the markers that will get you to the off-ramp of the broad way and get you back on the narrow path. What are they? John 8, 24. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. You can say, I can check that off. I believe that Jesus was the Son of God. I'll check that one off. 
you must repent of your sins. Luke 13, 3, also mentioned again in verse 5, it says, I tell you nay, but except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Matthew 10, 32 says this, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. Brethren, if there's somebody out here that has not done these three things, why not tonight? I've got one more. But you think about this, which one is going to be harder for you? To reject this teaching tonight or stand in judgment before Jesus on the day of judgment and told to depart into an everlasting fire and punishment where suffering will be forevermore. Which one is going to be the harder to do? Finally, the last one of the, four, the things that you've got to do to get on the own ramp of the narrow way must be baptized for the mission of your sins. Mark chapter 16, verse 16, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. Those four things right there will get you right on the narrow way if you've never been on it before. And it'll get you started and pointed toward a heavenly home for all eternity where we talked about earlier where there will be great joy, paradise, no weeping, gnashing of teeth as it's described on the other side. You're not done these things. These are all stated by Jesus, by the way. These are not stated by John Shannon, Phil Carver, or anybody else. These were all stated by Jesus, the one that we identified early on in the very, the very first part of this lesson when we found out who the I was and I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If you're subject to the invitation tonight, don't let this opportunity go uh, to the side. Don't let the, the little voice tell you, hey, I can take care of this at another time. There's no better time than tonight to do this. The brethren would be joyful. The angels in heaven would rejoice. And there would be happiness in the James Road community at somebody that would respond to the gospel invitation. If you're subject to the invitation, come as we stand and sing.